Hello and welcome to a special Magic Millions edition of the Shoulda Backed It podcast. My name's Phil Georgios and with me as always is Herald Sun Racing Analyst Chris Venuccio. Welcome back Chris, it's been a little while since we've had a chat, a couple of weeks now and we're into the new year, how's the punting going? It's been going alright Phil and it's great to be back for 2020 and it was um, a great day for Magic Millions, never fails to deliver. Mate, I saw I was with you on Magic Millions Day, and I saw a, a broad array of your emotional spectrum throughout the day. Um, some highs, but also some lows. What were your sort of highlights? Do you think from the day? Well, the highlights would have to be well, Alligator Blood's big win, and considering the dilemma he found himself before the race, and he's and he's just smashed a field. I just wonder, you know, what the margin might have been like if everything had gone right for him on the day, and he wasn't all you know, flustered in the barriers and there was the delay beforehand as well with I think the late scratching so that was a big win and I think from a personal punting perspective I think the other highlight was Vega 1 getting the job done it was a horse that I was following during the Brisbane Winter Carnival and I was on him in one particular race and he got slaughtered that day and wasn't good so I followed him early in the prep and I thought it was the right time to, to back him. Missed out on him when he won the gateway, but I wasn't going to miss out for the Magic Millions. Yeah, look, when, uh, when we first touched base, I think you uh, had a couple horses that you liked on the day, Vega 1 being one of them, and that was one of the more dominant yeah. wins. I mean, alligator blood aside, but uh, another horse that you mentioned to me with a lot of confidence, um, unfortunately, it didn't pan out the way you would have liked or... I suspect the owners and the trainers was Champagne Cuddles, which was unfortunately pulled out about two, two or three furlongs into the race. Yeah, it was just bad luck, and we were wondering what was happening because we could see that she was getting pulled back in the in the run, and and as it ha- and something had to have been really wrong for Nash to pull her up, and subsequently she's ruptured a tendon and has been retired, but. I would have thought that even if she didn't win that race, she would have run top three easily. I mean, I was confident she probably might have won that race because I think she's a better horse than the, the first two. And she had a she was put in a good position by Nash from the barrier, tracking I saw in, and Madame Rouge was on the inside. And when you look at how Madame Rouge won, getting off the rail to down the middle of the track, well, she would have had to have gone past Champagne Cuddles somewhere. So... Had Champagne Cuddles won, that would have set up my day because I had her in the treble with Alligator Blood and Vega 1, plus I backed you know, Vega 1 and Champagne Cuddles separately and it would have been a big result. But it, was all part part. Of, yeah, that, well, it was all part of your grand plan and I think you're probably right. You can't call it a good thing beaten because it didn't really race you in the race, know. did it? But, but uh, I think on class yeah. and the way how the first two really separated from the rest of the field, I mean, Morrissey's run third. No disrespect to Morrissey, but... He's not in Champagne Cuddles League and the races she was running in during the spring. Yeah. But at least Vega 1 salvaged a day. And I was actually surprised that Vega 1 opened at $7 on the Wednesday when it was $5, $6 all in leading up to the final fields. I don't know why $7 came up. Didn't last very long. And I was lucky to snap up 480 but we'll talk about yeah, well, that element of it later. But... You can um, complain about all that you I've like, a, mate, but I've I only got, a, got 360. Well, I've got, yeah, well, <laughs> winner's a winner, but um, what we're going to talk about later is the deductions after the 
scratchings on the Wednesday. Oh, but let's, let's not get into that no, yet. No, we won't get it now. But with Vega One, I mean, seven dollars was a big shock. I was just unlucky. I was out shopping and I couldn't get on it because <laughs> I was really keen. But when the money was coming on before the race and it went into three forty and three twenty. I was really confident then, you know, when a golden horse has money on, it's a good sign. Yeah, and there was, I think, good value across both of those races. I think, as you say, $7, but also Champagne Cuddles actually, I think, jumped yeah. at 480 yeah. which is, was seemingly a bit ridiculous, yeah. that price. I, I think it's the, the barrier. She had 12 but Nash um, navigated that, you know, really well and got her in the right spot. Just she got injured. Same with Bega 1. Drew Barrier 14 was going to come in with the emergencies out, but Vega 1 shown in his this prep that he can jump, go forward, and that's what Tony Gollan said he'd do. He'd, he'd you know, be in the first two or three pairs. So the Barrier didn't worry me. And also the main rivals in the race all drew wider than Vega 1. You know, Deep Image, I think, um, cracked me up and... Well, being wide didn't seem to be a bad thing as the day progressed. We saw Outback Barbie come right around the inside in the final, um, which much to my pleasure, I must say, finishing off the day well in in the diminishing light and the rain by the end of the day once they had all the delays and the traffic incident, etc. happen. So, yeah, personally, uh, I had a pretty lean December, so I was happy to get back to the Gold Coast. We actually went to the event last year, the Cracker. I want to get back there next year as well. But, yeah, a few winners for me. I had an Invincibella do the three-peat. Very happy to see that. Well, she went back-to-back back for you personally because you are yeah, on no, last year. Yeah, no, you know, when she's in that one, you just go for it. Yeah, well, I'll get to Alligator Blood in a second. But, yeah, also had Outback Barbie. And I followed you in on Vega 1, albeit at a much diminished price. So, all in all, good day, uh, Magic Millions. We also had racing uh, at Flemington and Randwick. I know we'll talk a little bit about Flemington later on as well. But we might move now into the should have backed it file. Um, I might start with your one, which was the uh, aforementioned Outback Barbie in the last there on uh, Magic Millions Day. Yeah, I just missed out on her. I got the money on Vega 1 and that um, got me in, in front after Champagne Cuddles. So I thought I'll just leave it as it is. And, and also, you know, you had the, you know, the dark clouds coming as well and the lightning was threatening. And I thought, yeah, it might be good to stay out of this race and... I mean, only half a length separated the first four, so it could have gone either way. But Outback Barbie, um, she had the setback in the gateway. I don't like backing horses coming off a setback, but that's when you can find some really good value, and she paid a great price. And I think 1,300 is a good distance for her. I think 1,400 sees her out a little bit. 12 and 13 are a goes. And, um, yeah, it was a perfect setup for her back in the field. You had to be off the defence at the Gold Coast on Saturday and found um, the great spot. Oh, mate, they weren't the only um, storm clouds I saw that day. Your uh, mood after Champagne Cuddles went down was uh, just as dark and, yeah. and stormy as that. But um, as I said earlier, I was on that as well and a great end to my day. My should have backed, it's actually a horse you mentioned, and you might say just enjoy it and watch, but uh, I didn't actually get on Alligator Blood, and I know it only paid $1.70, $1.80, so... I haven't missed out on much there, but I tried to be a bit smart and I ended up having some each-way money on Exhilarate, which did actually turn a profit. But I'm just looking back at that race and wondering how I could have made a bit more money out of it, given Alligator Blood looked to be 
all but an absolute certainty in it. And I had Exhilarates as a as my second top pick. How I could have done better I mean, in, from a gambling have, perspective from that race. Duet. Yeah, so I, I just well, that's right, <laughs> mate. The uh, everyone wants to have the duet. No, that could have been me, but I guess. I think in, in, in future, when I have a, a short price pop like Alligator Blood, I need to think a little bit more about how I can actually extract some value out of that rather than sort of just sitting and watching. So, yeah, um, that was probably my should have backed it. It's not unusual for me to have a horse stuck in traffic, but uh, this time it happened, obviously, away from the track. But uh, it was good to see it get up and win well. Obviously, Alligator Blood was the sprue course this summer after the spring carnival so it's just a shame that you really couldn't get on him at a decent price like you could in the spring and and i'm still um shaking my head alligator blood didn't get the the win in the caulfield guineas it's just still can't believe that yeah well it's it's made up for it somewhat since then but can you imagine how good its form looks with that win against its name as well yeah i just think um i think i've mentioned it in previous podcasts that if Alligator Blood had been a couple of off the rail, maybe one or two more horses off the rail because it was a bit off at Caulfield that day, I think that's the difference between him holding off Super Seth, where Mark Zara just produced a, a gun ride to win the guineas. But with Alligator Blood, some discussion where it's going to go next. Mm. You know, It's nominated for the All-Star Mold, the Australian guineas. I, I read a report that David Van Dyke might bypass the Melbourne Autumn or maybe the Autumn altogether and gear up for the Everest and the Golden Eagle. So I think that's that might be the best way of going because it has been up for a while now. It's lightly raced for a three-year-old, but mm-hmm. it's had a really busy last six months. Well, I was going to ask you actually because I'm, I'm, I don't have the detail you've just given me, but I did see it was nominated as part of the All-Star Mile nominations, which came out earlier in the week. And I'd love to see it in that race. Yeah. As oh, a, you know, so do you, you, you don't think it's going to go that way? Is that what you're I saying? I think it might be doubtful. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing in the race because although it nearly won the guineas at 16, I think it's still a little bit of a question mark of his ability at 16 against the older company. Mm. Uh, maybe he might become a, a, a gun 16-metre horse. We don't know. But I think there's been an overcorrection in his price after winning the, the million skinnies. He's $8 equal favourite. Well, I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you why. Because he will get a run. He's yeah. a beloved yeah. horse. It's obviously got the, the name and yeah. obviously got the form. So it, it will be in the field yeah. if they want to be in the field. Well, I'm happy for Alligator Blood to be in the field because I think he'll be unders and I'll be prepared to back something else to beat it like a Melody Bell, who I think is a superior horse. Look, I can't remember when. When is the All-Star Mile? It's not for months, is it? The <laughs> week after Super Saturday. Is it? Are they mid, mid-March? Late March. Yeah, okay. Well, there's a little bit... Late of, March, early April. It's still 10 weeks away, so let's probably can just park that one for the moment. But it would be good to see it in that because, obviously, it's a, it's a big event in Melbourne and you know, a very popular horse, so I can't see it not getting a start. So we might have a look at some of those horses that you uh, wish you probably didn't get on on the weekend. I'm, I'm sure there's one or two, but uh, what, what sort of stands out for you? Well, I'll give... Um, I won't say Champagne Cuddles because that's a bit... Um, that's a bit that's harsh. Just, that's just bad <laughs> luck there. I'm actually going to go away from the, the Magic Millions Day or even last Saturday altogether and go the week prior when I got sucked into Golden Gorge at Caulfield. And, you know, there's the... The huge spruik on it. I got sucked into it, kicking myself afterwards. And I thought it's a, it was a dangerous race in the sense that you had 
not only did you have five start winners in that race, it was race one, Caulfield, you had three horses coming off debut wins. And you know, when you and you see that with horses stepping up first up to second up, some of them can just elevate to a, a new level and others can go the other way. So that's I think that's dangerous in a sense. So we saw with how Romantic, the winner, really improved lengths off her first up win, whereas Golden Gorge, you know, looked like it was struggling a long way out, did pull up with EIPH, so that might have been a, a legitimate excuse. But I just think it's dangerous having a bet in horse in a in a race where you've got several debut first start winners. Yeah, you've definitely pulled one out of obscurity there. I, I don't recall that race in particular. I imagine it's a two year old race you're, I think you're it's talking. Three year old. Three year old, is it? With the a few first starters in there as yeah, well. Yeah, well, few. They're, well, they're second starters, but they're yeah coming off wins on their day on their day their debut. All right. Well, I guess um, it's it can be hard sometimes when you don't have that exposed form. Or no. we even saw it in the two year old race in Magic Millions. I mean, it's, it's really hard off one or two runs, yeah. young horses to make yeah. draw any kind of sensible form line through some yeah. of these races. Yeah. And particularly when they're coming from like a midweek race where you're obviously up against inferior opposition and you got slower tempos, they come to a city race where the tempos might be you know, a bit harder, a bit stronger, and some horses either thrive on it or they don't. And it looked like how Romantic you know, thrived on that strong tempo, showed a you know, good speed in the mid-race and was still strong late. So you know, she, she's one that looked like that she really improved after her first up win. It's not the worst segue into my should have sacked it, which was the Candyman on um, up in the Gold Coast. I think that was race two, four for those watching. Two completely different. I don't know where the segue is. Oh. Two completely different horses. Well, race well distances. It, I guess in the sense that, you know, a reasonably likely raced horse that hadn't seen that sort of um, step up in class, yeah. I guess, in, in, in its previous starts. You know, it was a much stronger field than it had yeah. taken on in previous starts. It was a tight-turning track, albeit it is a horse that had won at that track twice, but in much, much inferior grade. Yeah. And it's a big horse, so it was stuck on the fence. In, as we've said, not the best going uh, on the day. So it was always going to struggle to weave its way through that field. And um, I think... It start ended up starting three three dollars thirty, but that still well, was, was way too short. It was really. still short, but it was still a big drift on the day. It was people backing it at two ten um, pre post, and oh, it was I a screw course for a lot of yeah, people that day. Yeah. yeah, and I think because of maybe that might have been the explanation for the drift. You know, big horse, tight track. You know, did get back as well, and I think it actually was on. Even though it had barrier nine, I think it bound itself on the rail. Yeah, it was. It well. was. Not what you'd expect in terms of a ride if it did start on barrier nine. I didn't actually see that, but it, I know that in running it certainly was about ninth on the fence, so wasn't going to win from there. And a bit disappointed I got caught up in the hype yeah. on that. But you know, you, you watch a few of those uh, preview shows and you, yeah. you see enough tipsters all put it on top that you get a bit yeah. um, seduced by that sometimes. You know, so we all follow you and the Herald Sun. I know it was a different meeting, but when Big V's on something, you just jump on, don't you? Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a few people from um, a few guys from work were up on the Gold Coast, and oh. you know they were sending me a text. They were you know, <laughs> wanting a winner, and gave them Vega one. So um, and probably that. champagne cuddles yeah. by the sounds of it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, and I did give them champagne. Hey, cuddles. one out of two, we'll take yeah. that. Just on Vega one, 
If one more point I just oh, wanted to make, um, yep. I just want to give a bit of credit to Michael Rod who who rode him because I I'm trying to have a look to see if he had any other rides on the day and it doesn't look like he did. If um, can't see his name pop up, and um, it just shows that you know he, even though he didn't have many rides or any other rides, that he just watched how the races were unfolding on the day, knew where the best part of the track was, knew where to be. That's exactly what he did. So top. Help that he had clearly the best horse as well, but it's good to actually give the jockeys a bit of a um, a bit of a tick because we often knock the jockeys and some of their actions. So it's good to to give that one out to Michael. I'm sure he's an avid listener of the podcast. Was there anything else on Magic Million Days at Court? Like, what did you think of the two year old race? Yes, the two year old race. Nice, uh, race yeah, you know, the away game well, coming thirty five dollars um, straight through the middle. Yes, so uh, I didn't think much of the race going in. I wasn't very keen on it, and I don't think much of it afterwards. So I don't know how fair to say. It's, is it fair to say your aim was off? Or yes, it was uh, very off. It didn't help uh, Barrier One and the way the the track was playing. I mean, what to make of it? I mean. Start before AIM beats Stella Pauline by four lengths, and this time around it's the um, you know, Stella Pauline has you know finished about four lengths of head of head of AIM. So it's a race that I'm not going to really follow the format of. I'm, I'm happy to just um, give these horses a miss, but a lot yeah, of the it's a two year old race at yeah. the end of the day, and it's what we said earlier about very hard to draw a line for these juvenile horses yeah. around what's good and what isn't and if you found the away game or even the two place yeah. horses you got some value out of but even um last year's two-year-old race some decent horses were came out of it like obviously exhilarates high tails run fourth in the magic million guineas so but i just don't think this two-year-old race is strong and you know, none of the favorites did any good and um and also i just wanted to mention farnham that had the Vet check on the day. I don't know what information had been given out to punters, but that information didn't come out until Friday night, which I don't think is does it does a service for the. No, well, it was a second favourite as well, and I think that kind of information is important to to know immediately. Yeah, obviously didn't do much on the day, but yeah. um, Look, I think there's you're probably being a bit harsh in it just because an outsider wins doesn't mean that you're not going to see some horses coming mm-hmm. out of it. I thought Conceded's run was great, given it's a big horse on a, on a on again a tight track. Probably will get more distance yeah. once it you know gets into its three year old career or even later in its two year old career. So I think there might be one or two there that um that that kick along. I mean, you you mentioned to me before what what's my New Year's resolution for punting and. Uh, yeah, it's the same resolution I have every year, Big V. Stay away from two-year-old races yeah. because they will bite you more than they'll uh, they'll they'll help you. I can assure you of that. Yeah. Well, there's a few resolutions that I've come up with. Oh, you've got a couple of yourself. Oh, mate. Yeah. Well, got... who cares about mine if we've got Big V's no, resolutions? Yours, yours is two-year-olds. I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll stick with you. I'll ones. stick with that one, mate. That that's my one every year. So I just make the same one. It's like the person that says I'm gonna, you know, lose some weight this year. It's the same resolution every year. Well, I've got, I've come up with three, three, not okay. just one, three, and I think in the last couple of months, you know, the punting scene has really changed a lot with the the POC tax and you know all the revenue fields and all that, and we're seeing a lot of higher percentages and you know shorter odds in races, and it's getting harder to find value. So, I think the first resolution I'm making is 
I'm just going to be more selective and more patient with the races that I'm going to have a bet in. I think too much, too often over December, I was, you know, backing horses, you know, $2, you know, in the twos, low threes that were getting rolled. So I'm just going to be more selective, wait for value, because some of my better wins were, you know, Vega 1 and also um, Quacker Jack, where I got 460 for it. So those opportunities are still there, just got to be extra patient. I think that's probably just a good punting principle in yeah. general, isn't it? Wait for good value yeah. and then when good value yeah. arises strike yeah. and then stay away when you're not either informed yeah. or that value doesn't exist yeah. so that's a good one it's yeah. a good one what's your second one well, the second one well this leads to the second one is if i don't see anything that i like of value don't go looking for other races to, to have a bet in so you might see another horse that might be paying you know three fifty four dollars whatever in another race that you had no intention of having a, a play in but you do because you feel like you need to have a a Saturday bet, so going to make sure I don't do that as well. And the third one is being prepared to wait until the you know the death knock to, to put a bet on because sometimes you might miss a winner because you've looked at the odds, too, there's no value, and then two minutes before they jump, it blows out to a very enticing price. And that happened to me with Hal Lawson on. Oh, New Year's Day. I should have brought that one up. That was my yeah. only only bet I uh, got up in in a month. So yeah. that was a <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> well, on the on the day of the race or in the morning, you had Hal Vorson at I think it was two forty out to two sixty, and you had Bold Star two eighty, and it had opened up at three seventy. And looking at that field, I thought there is no chance of having a a bet in this race at those odds, but. For some reason, they've come for I think it was Spirit of Valor, and Hal Lawson's starting price was three thirty. And I think I even got better than that. Yeah. But I, um, I mean, I was, New Year's Day was understandably a little hazier than most yeah. others. And I, I've missed the race, so I didn't even. Um, and when I saw the result afterwards, I was kicking myself. I, you know, I just thought if they had offered three thirty earlier, I would have jumped all over that. But sometimes you just got to be, you just got to wait. You just got to be. They're watching the the mounting yard. Have your your iPhone ready, your laptop, and if the price comes up, you want just. Be Jeez, ready. What kind of setup do you have, mate? Betting on a laptop. It's a lot. It's a lot if you're at <laughs> do home. Do a bit of spot lot, betting at the cricket too, do you? No, or? If, you're, if you're at home, it's a lot easier than the phone <laughs> to type everything in and go. All right, no, no, I'm not going to knock your system, mate. Just I'm surprised you get on the laptop. Now, again, not a good segue, but. In 2020, we're going to bring a new segment into the Should Have Backed It podcast, and you'll be hearing this very regularly throughout the year, um, not just in this special uh, event, but it's going to be Big V's High Horse. So this is a chance. Big V often, for those who don't know him, will get on a nice rant about an racing issue, and he'll talk your ear off about it because he's very passionate about his racing. But I want to give him one minute to talk about an issue that really annoyed you or frustrated you or something just on your mind that you need to get off your chest mate so i'm going to give you a minute and i'm going to tap the table or you know let you know when you've got 10 seconds to go but give us give us your first big v's high horse well i'm sure this topic is going to come up uh very frequently but you know i just can't stand the de- deductions when you get scratchings and i i accept deductions and 
there's um sometimes when you back a winner there's no better feeling but when you get the deduction sometimes it's just really deflating and and I think it's just um how they calculate the adjust the deduction so um, I'll, again we'll go to Vega One we haven't talked about that horse enough in the podcast but Vega One I managed to jump on at 480 because it was the price was just kept on coming in I just had to jump on at the chance I got. And with the Magic Millions, you've got to have all dual acceptances. And there was a couple of scratchings. The price got, with the bookie that I was on, the, the price got um, readjusted to 460 So I naturally assumed that I'm going to get 460 as my new price. But the way the deductions were calculated, based on the horses that were scratched, I got a lower price than that, which really does put you off a little bit and I know we might be only talking about you know 10 cents or whatever in the price but I think it's the principle of it I just it's the bookies just getting finding any way they can to just rip off uh, that extra dollar off the punter oh well thank you big V I I did give you a couple extra seconds grace there we're just gonna have to tighten that up for next time but I do get your point and it is annoying when deductions come in and you're not saying you shouldn't have deductions, no, are you? No, because we, obviously, if there's scratchings, you want to be reimbursed for that. But it's when the price doesn't match yeah. the deducted price yeah. that they put yeah. up. So, yep. Yeah. It's happened uh, yeah, a few times. And once I even wrote a letter to the winning post. Oh, did you get in? I got in, yeah. Oh. They published it. And they got a response, I think, from, might have been from the TAB or from another um, bookie. And I think the explanation, I didn't fully understand the explanation, but I think it's had a bit to do with. You know, it depends on how much money had been on those horses. And so the more money that is put on the horses that get scratched, then obviously you're going to get a bigger deduction. But Stop excusing them, Big V. No. They're ripping you off. Yes, they are. But you're it, passionate. But you're ranting. <laughs> but that doesn't, for me, it doesn't explain why they can readjust the price to a certain, you know, they can give it, you know, X dollars. Yep. But we're not getting that. We're getting lower. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. Um, I'm sure there's some amazing algorithm sitting at the back yeah. of that, but it is annoying to see you get a lower price than the adjusted yeah. price. But so. if you're putting off punters like that, they're not going to have another bet. You know, with me, I'll take the money and and shut up shop for the day. Whereas if you give you know that punter you know that few extra dollars in winnings, you know they'll feel good about themselves and they might have another bit. Well, your one minute rant's gone for about four minutes now, Big V, so we might wrap we up that one. Discussion <laughs> so we had one more discussion point that we wanted to just Yes, this is quickly... your rant. Oh, no, mate, I don't do you, rants. You sent me the, the text on... It's, it's called Big V's High Horse, not uh, Phil's High Horse, but we just wanted to touch on race eight at Flemington, which is slightly random, but it was a race that Shawnee and Odeon were in, and I, you know what, I can't even remember who won the race because I'm still so worked up about the other two horses. You flicked me the stewards report following the race, which had some scathing words for the rider of Odeon, Michael Poy. Odeon first or Shawnee? Yeah, we'll go with Odeon, how about that? So that's your part of the uh, discussion there. You sent me this stewards report and... Just some Twitter chat. Basically suggested that he... uh, didn't ride it at a pace that the stewards were happy with, which is a quite an unusual, I think, point to bring up yeah. by the stewards. Yeah, I've got the stewards report here, but I won't, I won't read it out and go into the details. But I think it was um, 
Uh, Michael Poy told the stewards that he was instructed to go in a forward position and to lead if there was no speed or settle off the speed if the tempo was good. And it looked like when you're watching the race that you had a couple of the horses from the wide barriers push forward and Odeon as well pushing forward with them. But I think it does highlight how the I feel that stewards do have a, a lack of a... Uh, a feel for how races are run and also I, th- I think they're still a little bit ignorant when it comes to you know sectional times and actually measuring the speed of a race because um, the caller Matt Hill described the race as um, you know being at a, a dawdling speed and if you look at the sectional times they weren't going that fast so if they're not going that fast then what did Michael Poy well, I, I don't think he did anything wrong. No, I don't and think so either. You're looking at a horse that's won once in its last 20 starts yeah. or something, and it always starts way under the odds. So it's not his fault that the horse yeah. is unders. It yeah. always starts ridiculous yeah. odds. And I think that's the first reason why the stewards have questioned a jockey is because he's a beaten favourite. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I just... It didn't. It didn't. Look, I didn't read well from my perspective that one. No. And um, I think you mentioned to me uh, at the pub on on Saturday that the stewards will often pick up on jockeys that have gone too quick, gone yeah. too fast, but they they won't go ever have a chat to a jockey that doesn't or, go yeah, quite quick we'll enough. Go, we'll go, <laughs> go too, slow. Yeah, we'll yeah. Go too slow. And um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up that that point because at Flemington we saw so many races where they went so slowly. I mean, that's just boring. It doesn't give. First of all, it doesn't give the the, the good horses, you know, a, a chance to show their best because they're going slow. And some of these, sometimes these horses, they don't have that turn of foot. But what they do have is sustained speed. So you don't get to see that. And having quicker tempo races, I think, um, provides more exciting racing, more exciting finishes and results. And I think the stewards should be encouraging jockeys to be more proactive. And to, you know, not go crazy, but you see a lot of jockeys just hang back and not do anything, be, you know, very reactive. Stewards should be encouraging, you know, a bit more tempo in races. Yeah, and I think we're not suggesting that the stewards shouldn't be picking up things like this. I think it's a good thing that the stewards are looking at races closely, but I think probably having a more holistic look on the race, not just identifying one or two yeah. horses where they think yeah. the horse wasn't ridden exactly how they expected yeah. it to or how the market yeah. had put it. Because yeah. the market can be wrong. The market yeah. is wrong a lot of the time. Yeah. Odin not, wasn't necessarily and didn't win that race. So yeah. I thought that was a bit harsh. Yeah. But the other yeah. horse we wanted to talk about was Shawnee, who yeah, is another is horse. That Jai McNeil was right. Yeah, he's, and, and this one's always unders as well. I think yeah. came again into $3. How on earth that happened, well, you'll I'm never glad, know. I'm glad Shawnee didn't get my money again. <laughs> I'm actually tipped against it. Oh, well, that, that was probably the smart move. Yeah. But I guess the point is that they, they keep on riding it back. Now, you had no cons- problems with how they rode it this time, Dry mm-hmm. rode it, and I guess... Um, but there was a little bit of discussion after the race so on yeah. Twitter and other forums that they've got to run it a bit more handy because it just gets caught in traffic yeah. and keeps running nice fourth and fifths. Well, I think uh, I think Jai McNeil intended to ride handy because he held his spot, but he had the horses that drew wide deciding to to come across. So he had, I think, at least... He was jumped out of barrier four, and I think at least four horses wider than him have all pushed forward. So they sure need push forward as well. I, I just thought he held his spot. And the other thing was because the rail was off 
you had horses wanting to stay one off. So you had this longer train of horses running, whereas if the rail was a good spot to be in, I reckon the field would have been more compact and he's closer to the leader. So I had no problems. I, I just think when he was rounding the home turn and he was tracking the winner, Galaxy Raider, they race anyway. Mm. I just felt that Shawnee looked to be giving him a bit of a handful when they were approaching the straight. It's probably a similar story to Odin, really. It's probably just a bit overrated yeah. in the market. So yeah, I think so People too. had their yeah. eyes on it and, you know, it's got yeah. an interesting name yeah. and suddenly uh, people get a bit excited yeah. when it doesn't perform. It probably performed to its, yeah. its standard, to be yeah. honest, yeah. If, and, if, and if Shawnee had gone more forward, he would have been trapped three wide because everyone was staying off the rail and creating this... Mm this long train over the last few weeks or most recently on this weekend given we are talking about magic millions uh were there any horses that you'll be taking away and putting in the black book yeah there's a f- few horses and a couple of them come from the same race um in the fillies and mares the one that champagne cuddles was in uh, race five and i think the first two you can follow uh, madame rouge and isaurian and the other horse Kemmel Passer, if you watch the replay, held up for a bit in the straight, you know, finished strongly. And um, they're three. And I also think... So they finished one, two and four, four. in that race, yeah, didn't one, they? So you think it's a pretty strong form race just then, I'm gathering from that statement? Well, I think the first two are good horses because they did clear the rest of the, the field. Kemmel Passer, depending on um, what sort of grade he jumps in, he did win, a, I think, a group two on Derby Day, I think it was. So yeah, he. I think he's got. He's a good horse too. Um, I should have finished closer to the, the first two. And the other horse I reckon to follow is Arathia, the ran second to Invincibella. I just think where they were on the the tracks favoured Invincibella. So yeah, that's no, fair. I think I think, I think Arathia was a pretty I think, good. I think I was lining up at the um, at the counter, getting my my winnings. So I didn't see who you're going second, but it's good to see that uh, there's a couple to follow from the Magic Millions. There always tends to be. They always, yeah. you know, the, the quality horses, the cream rises to the top in that event, and as we saw again on the weekend. So look, when I said I'd been around and had a bad time in terms of uh, wins. A lot of that has happened in the bush, Big V. I've been travelling all around the state of Victoria, um, heading down to Sale on the Western Highway down to Geelong, and then yesterday up to Benalla for the races. So I've certainly been around. Still haven't found anything to follow from any of those races, but it's been good to get on the road. But there is one horse that's uh, not unfamiliar to this podcast that you wanted to raise um, and that you can pronounce beautifully. Yes. Um, what was okay. it? Is it Moi Shoy, is it? Moi <laughs> Shoe. Moy Shoe. Is that right? Probably. Um, so so what, what has it done since we uh, last spoke? Well, I, I did see it nominated quite a few times and scratched. And having a look at the results, it's um, had a win at Moi on the 13th of December. Oh, just, there won, you go. just won a, a benchmark 58 at $1.65. Oh, but it's money for, for jam, two, really. Two for two. What did it win by? Half a length. Oh, easy. So Conf- I should, I'll watch. I'll go watch the replay. See if he did it pretty easily. But Might see it in a nice benchmark sixty-four next. Do you think, Big V? Yeah, we'll see it next. We we'll have to. I reckon the next race it's in. We'll, we should put some punters club money on it. Yeah, load up. It'll be a dollar fifty. Cannot lose. Uh, so that's run from the bush. We'll actually have some for you next time. But again, obviously, you know, Christmas, New Year's, focusing on the uh, big Magic Millions event. I haven't haven't got too many there. 
So is there anything else, Big V, before we wrap up the show? Is there, you know, how was your how was your holidays? You had a good time? Did you get away anywhere or oh, I didn't get away. No, not really. We had a, a weekend at Rye. Um, just I pretty much just worked through, watched the races, getting excited for the autumn carnival coming up. Yes. Only a few weeks away, it's coming soon. You know, you've got Australia Day with the some of the Blue Diamond preview. So Yeah, I'm glad you raised that, Big V, because um, we won't be doing another podcast until that time. So we'll have a couple, another couple of weeks off and then we'll be back for the Autumn Carnival, um, most likely early to mid-February. So uh, stay tuned for that as well. Thanks to everyone that continues to you know follow us on Twitter and um, interact with the at uh, should have backed it handle we have there. I know Big V's been throwing a few interesting tweets in amongst yeah. it over the last I think couple of weeks. Tweet had a bit of a holiday. Yeah, I think it had a bit Twitter, of a. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter had a holiday. Had a holiday. Yeah, but it'll get back going in 2020 after a good break. And um, you know, we're on Spotify and iTunes, so please subscribe and, and follow us and like us and give us ratings because uh, every little bit helps in that regard. But. In the meantime, um, thanks for listening to the special Magic Millions episode of the Shoulda Backed It podcast, and we'll uh, see you all very soon. And as always, good luck on the punt. <laughs>